thinking why people are out here today and how it feels and you can just tell me about the experience. So people are demonstrating today in response to the passage of the first reading yesterday in the Knesset in the Parliament of the law that limits um, reasonability. That's what it sounded like on Tuesday in Jerusalem, as the CJN Daily's producer, Zachary Kaufman, was out covering the throngs of protesting Israelis who were carrying flags and tooting horns and chanting and carrying signs as they marched beside the Knesset and the Supreme Court building and beyond. Now, the man Kaufman was chatting with is Amos Giora. He's an American-Israeli. He teaches law at the University of Utah in Salt Lake City, and he visits Israel often, and he makes a point of attending as many protests as he can. And when he spoke to Zach, Giora was wearing a black T-shirt with the Hebrew words on them, Chofshi Senu, or free in our own land, evoking the lyrics of Israel's national anthem. Now, for Zachary Kaufman, meeting Giora was just one image from a day full of covering the sights and sounds as he's right in the middle of historic massive protests that one activist told him was the second Israeli war of independence. These people don't see themselves as anti-Israel, Israel critical. They are real Zionists. They really believe that they are um, fighting for the uh, dream of, of, of a Jewish state. I'm Ellen Besner, and this is what Jewish Canada sounds like for Wednesday, July the 12th, 2023. Welcome to the CJN Daily, a podcast of the Canadian Jewish News, sponsored by Metropia. While the protests against Benjamin Netanyahu's government have been going on since January now and are into their 27th straight week, things did quiet down a little over the Passover break after the government agreed to put its omnibus reform package on pause to avoid leading the country into what the Israeli president warned would be a civil war. But this week, the protest movement got re-energized again after the government reintroduced one small piece of its legislation that would rein in the judiciary, and this legislation passed first reading on Monday night. Now, the CJN Daily's producer, Zach Kaufman, lived and worked in Israel as a journalist for several years until he returned home to Canada and joined our team a year ago. But he's back there now for a few weeks, where he's working and also studying at a conservative Judaism yeshiva in Jerusalem. And Zach joins me now after a long and hot day on the protest beat. Hello. Hi, Ellen. It's uh, very nice to be here and nice to be on the other side of the microphone. Yes, well, uh, we're so lucky that you're there in one piece, a little uh, dehydrated after a full day of reporting on the ground. But uh, I want you to describe, first of all, what you did. What was your route today as you went out from your apartment? Uh, as as I as you mentioned, I'm here in Jerusalem. Um, I'm primarily here uh, to go to a, a Jewish learning program, and I started off my morning at. Uh, going to morning prayers at seven o'clock. Um, and by the time that I was out at 630, um, already on uh, Aza Street, Gaza Street, where I live, there was a series of barricades um, by 630 in the morning, which was quite unusual. Um, and it was quite, um, the, the security presence was quite heightened already at that point, a lot of military personnel. Later in the day, after morning prayers, and I got myself together, I went to uh, to the Knesset. You could see slowly, slowly, people coming out of the little streets carrying Israeli flags, 
with uh, their signs, with their slogans, people coming from all directions, and you could start to see where the protests were going to be, which they began uh, in front of the Knesset, and they marched towards the Supreme Court and further towards the top of the the entrance to Jerusalem, basically. There's the big central bus station, and uh, beside that is Machne Yehuda Market, but Basically, at the entrance of the city, uh, that was where the crowd uh, marched from the Knesset. Uh, and it was this enormous, many thousands of people. And there was a perhaps kilometer long, even. Uh, they have an inflatable red, uh, that is a red tube that represents a red line um, that is being crossed. And it's, uh, uh, it, it spans the entire crowd of people. And yeah, so I walked with them uh, for a while and spoke to a, a lot of different people. And let's jump right in. Uh, how did you decide who you were going to talk to? And, and tell us about the first person you ran into. Well, I spoke to people who I asked a lot of people if they spoke English. That was my first move. People who I who, who looked to me like if they were holding English signs and uh, people who I thought might be able to speak best to a Canadian audience. And the first woman, it was totally by accident, but I ran into this wonderful older woman, and she was holding a sign that said, are there maybe, are there maybe five people in the coalition willing to save Israel? Which, uh, to those who might be familiar with biblical stories, her sign echoes very clearly the story of uh, Abraham and God negotiating about the destruction of Sodom and Gomorrah, these um, exemplary, archetypal, foul, uh, misgoverned cities, these cities of sin, these states of sin. And Abraham asks God, would you still destroy the city if it has te just 10 people who are good? If it just has five people, would that save the city? Uh, and so this woman uh, I met, her name is Veronica, and it turned out, Veronica Cohen, and it turns out that she was born in Budapest in 1945 during the Holocaust, and she got uh, moved as a young person to the States, she got a uh, she got her a degree from Yale, and she actually before she moved to Israel in the early seventies, taught for six years at the University of Calgary music therapy. She has been a major activist since then. Uh, and to hear more, um, I'll we'll play you some tape right now of my conversation with her. Why are you coming out today? Well, I go to all the protests. I am very, very worried about the future of this country, our country. Mm. And I think Jews all around the world should be worried because right now we have a country that's going towards dictatorship. We have ministers who are criminals, fascists, and they're leading us to places that are unthinkably horrible. Do you uh, feel like this protest movement is different than other protest movements in the past? Yes. There are more of us involved. You know, one of the chances that we, the majority, have come out on the street, and this really is the majority, I think, that has come out week after week after week, and I think we're not giving up. It's just too important. We're not giving up. A lot of people talk about this as the second in war of independence. Yeah. 
and I feel like this is really the last moment we can either save Israel or lose it. Veronica, having lived in Canada, yes. is there something you think the Canadian government, the Canadian Jews should know? Absolutely. I what think we, we need their help. We need them to be involved. This is a moment really for all the Jewish people, not just for Israelis. If Israel goes down the drain, if it becomes a fascist country, it's a tragedy for all the Jewish people, not just for us Israelis living here. She's been a major activist in rapprochement between Israelis and Palestinians through her music, through music education and um, and hosts many, many years of meetings and concerts and things. Right. That's her from what I'm reading. Yes. And I and there was a woman she was with who she pulled me aside after I spoke to Veronica. She's like and she said that woman that you just interviewed, she has been. Um, a major force since the first intifada, second intifada, she has been on the ground. Like you, uh, her her friend told me, you just interviewed actually the sort of legendary peace activist. Uh, so it was very exciting for me to get to meet her. And I could tell, you know, she is 78. And my biggest uh, difficulty with interviewing her was that I wanted to sit in the shade to talk, but she was... Um, she was intent on uh, keeping up with the crowd and she wanted to be w really in it. So who else did you encounter after you interviewed uh, the first peace activist? Where, what happened next? After, after her, I met a man named Amos Gioria, who is a law professor from the University uh, of Utah, I believe. He's from Salt Lake City. And he was a really... Uh, fascinating person to speak to because because he has a lot of background in this area. He actually uh, writes significantly on on terrorism and uh, state defense law, uh, and he's even testified in front of the U.S. Senate and U.S. House of Representatives. He was amazing. He was going to those protests. Uh, in the morning in Jerusalem. Then he is told me that he was going to the airport at four o'clock where there were 10,000 protesters. And then after that, he was going to Tel Aviv to the major biggest rally in the country on Kaplan Street that will have hundreds of thousands potentially of people. He was doing all three that day. He said that it was important for him to be as many places as he could. And you interviewed him sitting or walking? <laughs> Did he give you a break? <laughs> he gave me a break. He said, let's sit down. I was uh, grateful to Amos. Um, and Because it's a very and, hot day today. Isn't it a very, very, very hot day? In super hot, super baking in the sun, which all the more so speaks to all of these people baking for hours, you know, singing their hearts out, chanting their hearts out, yelling. It's it's a lot of energy and a lot and many of them are older people. There's also, you know, people of all ages. I didn't see it didn't seem like it was taking a toll on them. I'm sure it is very tiring. Nobody was tiring. like collapsing with like ambulances no, or whatever. Again, I it's a it's so much energy. There's so much um feeding off of each other, supporting each other. It's a real they really feel like this is uh, they're part of something that Veronica said really struck me. She said, this is our second war of independence. 
so we can hear a little bit from Amos. How does it feel? It feels that there is no plan B, and this is the absolute right thing to do. Does it feel uh, scary right now, or does it feel exciting? You know, I think that no. Scary, no. Energized, yes. Um, I'm a regular participant at these demonstrations, whether here in Jerusalem or in Tel Aviv. And I think there's no alternative for anybody who believes in um, separation of powers, checks and balances, and democracy. Do you think, um, you know, you said you've been to these protests in the past, you know, what, uh, do you think it makes a difference? Huge difference. There are four things that make a difference to this uh, god-awful government. One is if President Biden continues to give uh, Bibi Netanyahu the, you know, the proverbial back, the so-called middle finger. Two, if the reservists, the pilots, the special forces, and so on, indeed go through with their promise not to go to reserve duty. These kinds of demonstrations. And fourth, the, the fact that foreign investors are pulling out of Israel. Well, speaking of foreign investors, do you think it's... Um uh, what, what, what message do you think you would want Canadian Jews to know about what's happening? I would want Canadian Jews to do the following. One, if they're going to give money to Israel, to make sure that it's directed for very specific causes and not blindly give money to Israel because it goes to the wrong hands. Two, if they're Canadian investors with serious money, to pull their money out of here because that's the only way to impact um, this government, which is frankly a fascist government. You had a chance to interview a third protester on your journey. Uh, tell us about about this person and um, where that ah. review took place. So uh, this was at the uh, end of my time. We were closer to the Supreme Court. I met this woman, Chaviva Sheffer. She's an environmental lawyer. Uh, and she uh, was interesting to speak to because as a lawyer who is sensitive to the administrative law aspects of this, she, she was able to speak quite thoughtfully about exactly why this legislation uh, is so worrisome to people. Uh, we'll play some tape for you here. So where are you from originally? Did originally you Originally from London, but I've been here for about 50 years. <laughs> Amazing. And why did you come out today? Why does it feel important? Because I can't imagine this country not being a democracy. We can already see how much we're losing here just before this um, dreadful legislation has even been uh, passed. And we can already see the damage done to everything we've built here in 75 years. And um, things like, for example, um, cancelling the law of rationality, of unreasonableness, is just a straight road through to corruption. As Lord Acton wrote, total, 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 uh, absolute power corrupts absolutely and this is exactly what the government wants to do the um, they don't want any legislation that that states the the, the take what should be taken for granted that government decisions need to be made impartially and having um, a full factual base and uh, and considering all the relevant considerations all these things they don't want this is why one of the reasons why nothing happened in the president's negotiations they don't want anything like that put in law and these are the things that the, the Supreme Court has been laying down, not now, not since Barack, mm. not since Aaron Barack became president of the Supreme Court, but since the 1950s, they've been applying the law of unreasonableness when things are extremely unreasonable and totally out of any range of possible uh, reasonable considerations. They've been applying this for decades already. And the fact that they want to cancel it, there's only one reason, and that is because they want to do whatever they like as they said about Caligula, as they say about Caligula, wanting to appoint his horses 
as council, they can appoint anybody, they'll be able to do anything, and even if they say it's only the elected officials who will be exempt from the from uh, judicial review, it just means that their their senior uh, professional officials will just bypass the regular route and have this minister sign on things to make it exempt from judicial review. It's, we have no other breaks of checks and balances in this country. The Supreme Court is the only check and balance we have to the government. The government has already taken over the Knesset. It didn't used to be like that. When I came to Israel, the Knesset was far more independent. Um, a, a whip, a party whip was was something rare it was for really important things like the budget but not for everything right the way it is now the opposition used to be um they used to have chairmen of various committees not like now where the only one they have is the um um the uh reviewing committee mm-hmm. um and, and they've totally taken over the Knesset. now they want to take over the court too we won't allow that to happen we'll do our best that it doesn't happen i need to be able to tell my children, grandchildren i did everything i could to stop this happening how does it feel to be at the protest? Just does it feel scary? Scary? No, no. How does it no feel? way! I've been protesting for six months, and mm. apart from also going out on Fridays to talk to people, because uh, we need to talk to one another, not about one another. I think this is very important. If, um, if you could send a message to Jews in Canada, what would what ooh. would you say? Sort of. What, what would, would I say? I would say, stand by us. You know what democracy means. And um, we, need, we need your support. We need your support, all those who want to. You need to show the government that world jewelry is with, is standing for democracy and against corruption. So don't turn away. Don't, don't uh... turn away. Absolutely not. Okay, so to sum up, you talked to three people of civil society who were with you. Did you also see, besides, um, I would say, more secular and or more liberal-leaning people, any Haredis, any religious Zionists, any Ethiopians, any um, definitive groups, or even uh, Palestinian or Arab allies marching at all? Uh, I would say the crowd that I saw today did seem to me largely uh, Ashkenazi and not religious. I did not see a significant Haredi... uh, presence there were people wearing kippot and there were people wearing tzitzit but they struck me as most likely what you might call datilomi or modern orthodox today sort of people who are traditional so you've yeah. been reporting on it from the canadian perspective you were in canada we've been reporting on the, the situation in israel but now that you're actually physically there is there anything different or surprising or something that you didn't expect uh, being here, I think, and and I've mentioned this before, something that's really fun for me is to see sort of distinctly Jewish protests. There are, um, like I said, the the woman Veronica had the sign saying, "Are there five? Are there five righteous people in the coalition?" That echoes the Hebrew Bible. At another protest on a Saturday night, there was a picture of Bibi that said, um, "We should throw out the Dybbuk." And uh, referring to Bibi as a dibbik, this sort of classic uh, monster of Yiddish culture, there's something about infusing the protest movement with Jewish values, with Jewish ideas, with the Israeli flag that makes, uh, makes a difference. If they saw those here in Canada, we would consider those anti-Israel and anti-Semitic, would we not? Mo- uh, most definitely. There's a lot of things that go on here. I haven't seen this personally. I've seen pictures of this, uh, but you know, comparing comparing the leaders of the coalition to other 
German fascists and, you know, um, when it's other people, when it's is Jewish Israelis doing it, they they feel much freer to do it um, than uh, we would in the diaspora. Did you feel at all that you were in any danger because uh, there have been, of course, police crackdowns with water cannons and all kinds of other uh, measures to law enforcement measures? So describe a bit about whether you encounter any of that. The top line answer is no, I did not feel unsafe at any point. Uh, the protests are are joyful. They are, in some sense, they feel like a big party. These protests have been the most uh, peaceful in Israeli's history. There is uh, very little to almost to no real scuffles with the police. Back in 20 years ago, with the disengagement from Gaza, you had... Uh, soldiers getting their limbs broken. You had uh, ha- them having acid thrown on them by protesters, whereas these protesters uh, in this in this round of protests have been extremely peaceful. Uh, they are doing nonviolent things like blocking intersections, blocking highways, but especially in Jerusalem, where I am, they're a little bit less radical than I, I think in Tel Aviv. Uh, there, it's just the nature of the city. And so there are water cannons that come. And I, I, when I saw the truck coming with the water cannons to disperse, um, the crowd that I was with near the top of, uh, the major intersection at the entrance of Jerusalem, I walked away having my microphone and all my equipment. I thought, uh, it, uh, wasn't for me, and I didn't think that the CJ and listeners needed to hear me um, running. So, uh, also the water can. There's regular water cannons, and now there's all types of varieties. There's water cannons with foul-smelling water. There's water cannons that are stained with certain types of dye, so that when you're sprayed, the police know who were the protesters. Okay. Finally, uh, where you live at the moment. Uh, really, compared to what most other journalists would kill to be where you are at the moment, well, you're like I'm a, a mole's eye view. What you're referring to was a bit of a surprise for me. Uh, when I first got to the apartment that I'm in, the there were guards. Uh, there was sort of um, fencing around it, and there are guard huts on both sides, and uh, barricades also around the sidewalk. And when I moved in, I asked the roommate, you know, who lives in this building? Is it is it someone important? Is it one of Bibi Netanyahu's kids? Is it like Yoni Netanyahu? Like, who is it? And my roommate said, no, it's Bibi and Sarah. They live in this building, 35 Aza Street. I thought they lived in the official residence, which is on Balfour Street, uh, a few blocks up. But that, uh, the official residence is undergoing renovations. This building is where they have their private, uh, their private apartments. It's where he's had it for over 30 years. But it turns out I, I share a wall with Bibi Netanyahu to his apartment. It's very peculiar. So on Saturday nights, there are these, uh, there have been, for as you mentioned, for the past 28 weeks, there have been uh, protests uh, on my street but actually, there is a huge radius around me of blocked off 
streets and it's quite quiet on Saturday nights because the protesters aren't actually allowed to get very close to my building. And uh, have you seen have you seen the motorcade uh, at all or seen him? I've seen the motorcade. I, I haven't seen him coming into the building. But because I'm on the street, you know, they'll all come blaring through. Um, I've certainly seen that before. It's quite a balagan, as they say. So you got your tin cans uh, pressed to the wall to get state se- secrets, no? Or your glass. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I'm trying. Um, uh, I'll, I'll let you know if I get any big scoops from the wall. Right. So I'll send you an email. You can slip it under the door asking for an interview for the CJN, right? Uh, well, I will definitely try. And our listeners should uh, keep an ear out for my interview with my neighbor. Thank you so much, Zach, for uh, doing this day reporting for us. And it's fascinating. Stay safe and also have an amazing time because you're part of history right now. Thank you so much, Ellen. Thanks for having me on. And um, I'll speak to you soon. And that's what Jewish Canada sounds like for this episode of the CJN Daily, sponsored by Metropia. Integrity, community, quality, and customer care. Today's listener shout-out goes to Cindy Senny, the Canadian star of that Jewish matchmaking series on Netflix. She just announced some big news. She's engaged, and we'll have her on tomorrow's show to spill the tea about who he is. In the meantime, here's a sneak peek of our conversation. Thanks for listening to the CJN Daily. And then I started dating Eldad, and um, I called her at one point, and I was like, listen, I don't know if it, if it can continue or not at this point, because... He's very, we're very different. We're the opposite in every shape, way, and form. He's very quiet and, and he doesn't like attention and he's an introvert and I'm like fireworks in July. <laughs> um, and so I remember telling Elisa, I said, you know, we're very different. And I, I feel like sometimes like I can't, you know, he doesn't speak French and he doesn't necessarily, he hasn't studied like French literature and philosophy and all these things. He's like an Israeli. <laughs> he's like a great hearted Israeli.